You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Primal Radio, we are back. What's up, Tommy? Today, I've been down in Bournemouth doing four hours training with uh, my old buddy, Len. Nice. Dusting off the cobwebs, getting my weapon skills back. Where did the cobwebs come from? I thought you just got your black belt. I thought you were you already made it. Well, it's like the Christmas period, right? Right. So you've been uh, not training as much. Did you put on weight? Uh, no, but if anything, I'm trimming down the same things I said to you before. I'm one of these. If if I don't train, I just you know it, it all just drops off me. Just drop, yeah, 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 which no, is frustrating. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather be the other way around. Yeah, no, I hear you. I you know, I've well, got I've the metab- metabolic age of a 22 year old. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you blew it, Kevin. You could keep quiet. Our guest today is really one of my best mates, as they say in the UK. I've known this man for fucking shit 30 years, maybe? Uh, yeah, about 30 years yeah. plus. Wow. And my good man, man, I've learned a lot from him. An awesome guy, great martial artist, uh, very entertaining. We've traveled the world together. And uh, much like my good friend Tom and co-host, drinking all over the world in every airport. <laughs> <other man. laughs> and uh, we're wanted. But anyway, my man, Kevin, what's up, brother? Down here in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, man. Nope. He's li- you're living in Raleigh now. He was D.C. Li- from Rochester. But So here's yeah. here's the story. Here's why I know Kevin, because everyone's fascinated by my stories. So this is 19, early 90s, 91, right. 92, somewhere yeah. in that ballpark right around there. Around right. the time I we had Vince Ray Monday on last week, it was around the time I met Vince. So at that time... There wasn't a whole lot of JKD around. There was not all this martial arts that were around. You had to really go down and hunt and seek stuff. Anyway, I found this one guy who was involved in this particular lineage of JKD. And there was a seminar down in the Washington, D.C. area. It was in Northern Virginia, Kevin? Yes, it was. It was uh-huh. the, where was it? Do you remember where it was? Uh, it was in Alexandria. Alexandria. What, about, yep. about a four-hour drive from my house. Yep. Anyway. So I go down there with a couple other uh, other people to, t- to do the seminar. These other guys, I just had started to school, so I didn't know them real well, uh, quite honestly, as well. And they're partnered up. And then, you know, you're trying to find someone. And somehow, I get s- stuck with Kevin. <laughs> I don't know if you'd say stuck, but, you know, I, we get partnered up. And we're at, going real hardcore. We just hit it off from the, from the get-go, beat the shit out of each other all day. And uh, somehow kept contact. You know, yeah. all, all these years. And it was a, a, a very fortunate. I always talk about this in the martial arts, getting to meet people that you become lifetime friends with. And uh, had I not gone down to that seminar, I guess years later, I would have ran into you through Hawk or something mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. put it that and I became friends with him and RJ, who we'll talk about. Anyway, that was it. And by the way, Kevin is uh, my godfather's son. My son's yeah. godfather. Ha, 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 just funny. So anyway, so Kevin, so Kevin's been, and he's we've been. He knows all the all the players that be. He's a full instructor under the Wednesday night group under Hawk, and so on and so forth. But so we've been doing the show a while, Kevin. We finally through your busy schedule, you know, you're in, you're you're yeah. back on the air, you know. So 
Well, I appreciate it. And thanks a lot. So no, no, no. So now you're in Raleigh. What are you doing down in Raleigh? Like Kevin, we grew up in well, Rochester, went to DC for yeah. like decades. Right. And, and so, then went down to Raleigh Durham. Yeah. So I, you know, my journey actually started mid seventies, actually in college when I was in West Virginia, believe it or not. Really? You know, you just West messing West around with some guys. Uh, I went to an HBCU in West Virginia, in, right. uh, in Charleston, West Virginia. And, uh, you know, just messing around with some guys. Some guys were from actually the D.C. area and had been right. heavily involved with uh, June Ree. So they oh, were Taekwondo wow. guys, you know yeah. what I mean? So we got to messing around in the basement and everything of, uh, I guess, the student union. And we'd meet there once a week, just punching and kicking, not knowing what the fuck I was doing, to tell you the truth. Right, which right. So that kind of got me fascinated. So I'm, I'm home the summer of my freshman year. And um, I looked up a school. I don't know how I chose it, but it was uh, the Okinawan system of Ishinru. So the guy running it, his name was Joe Jennings. Now, he was a fourth or fifth degree belt, black belt. Years later, he uh, actually moved out to California and formed uh, Panther Video. Oh, no oh, kidding. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Tom, hey. do you know what Panther Video is? I do, because you guys have all mentioned it, but I, I don't know whether it's made it over here. But, I mean, like you were saying, all the old videos were, you know, everything you'd buy would be by Panther, right? Yeah. He was one of the first guys to go around uh, with masters in the United States and videotape them. All different styles. And he had the giant VHS tapes. And uh, I subsequently became, uh, I was only there for a summer, became real good friends with his uh, uh, head master, or one of his ma young uh, masters. The guy's name is Chris Chase. He's now down in Florida, and he's president of the one of the Ishinru foundations. He spent some time in Okinawa with Angi, who inherited the Ishinru system from Shimabuku. He gotcha. was actually... Actually, he married into, I guess he married into the system because he married, I guess, Shimabuku's uh, daughter. So he wow. kind of inherited that. So Chris yeah. actually spent some time actually in Okinawa teaching and subsequently moved back to the United States. In fact, he's a little younger than I am. I, I was the first to get him into a uh, nightclub at the age of 18. Because back then, you, <laughs> you could drink back then at the age of 18. 18 so, right, yeah, no, no more, no more. Out, so we went out that night to a nightclub and everything. But after that, you know, um, you know, I, I came back to West Virginia State, subsequently still messed around with the guys and everything, kind of lost contact with them and everything. And it wasn't until I actually uh, graduated and then moved to um, Washington, D.C. Uh, I had moved back to Rochester for two, three years and decided, you know what, I, <clears throat> I don't think this is what I want to do. I don't want to actually be here. So I had a buddy. Who, uh, who was living in D.C. said, you know, come on down. So I was actually working with Kemlon. Oh, I would, that's right. I, I remember. Would, yeah, I would spend my winters, because we had six weeks paid vacation, I'd spend my winters and go back and go down to D.C., constantly looking at ads, looking at different jobs and everything. Right. So I guess it was uh, April, May of 85, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to make this move. So I go on down and make the move. I... Started actually in landscaping when I first moved to D.C. I actually right. have a biology degree with actually concentration in wildlife. 
Yeah, all right. I, I didn't want to work inside, so you know that outside thing was always something that kind of held my interest and kind of intrigued me. So I start working, uh, right. climbing, climbing trees actually, starting off on the ground and then climbing trees. And then I subsequently worked my way into a uh, nature center working on Saturdays and uh, Saturdays and Sundays. So I'm climbing trees Monday through Friday, which is hard as shit. I don't know if you guys have ever done any of that stuff. Oh, and then on Saturday and Sunday, I'm babysitting in a nature center. So I'm working seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, you know, I'm stopping through some martial art places and uh, I happened to go into a uh, a studio that's owned by a, a Chinese guy who's right. teaching uh, Hung Foot. Not Hung Gar, but Hung Foot. The guy's name is Tai Yim. So he's right. got a he's got a he's got a studio, but it, it but you come in, you came into his studio and he also had a merchandising area. And so within the small merchandising area, guys are leaving cards and everything. So I'm looking up at the card one day, and I see this guy's name, R.J. Oak. R.J. And I'm seeing that he's doing Kempo, J.K.D., Arnie, right. Combat, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Aiki Jiu-Jitsu. Right. So I decide, pull the guy's card, give him a call, come over and see him. Right. We start training on uh, Saturdays. So while we're doing this, I had already been – I had already – started training in a northern kung fu style called uh, Ten Shen Pai Good in Merrill. So RJ and I start hooking up, and he's showing me all this stuff. Now, I had been in with this guy in Ten Shen Pai for about six years now, getting ready almost to test for a black sash. But the guy's telling me, well, you're going to have to be a junior black sash before you become a senior black sash. And I'm like, oh, shit, this motherfucker's out for some more of my money. You know what I mean? I've been coming to this guy three days a week religiously, man. You know what I mean? Helped him move into a studio and everything. Not that I was looking for anything, you know, extra. But so, you know, I started working out with RJ and everything. And so finally I just say, you know what? I'm going to give up the cut this kung fu. I kept some of the stuff. And I'm going to start training with RJ. So yeah. RJ and I start training together. And uh, before you know it, I, I, the nature center that I'm working at, now I've quit the tree climbing business and I've got a position in the nature center full time. So now I got a key to the place. So <laughs> I talked talk to the director. There's a big, uh, there's a big um, auditorium. I talked right. to the director. The guy's name was Greg Zell. Said Greg, you don't mind me working out here like after hours? Oh no, Kev, you lock up anytime you want. Well, you don't mind if a couple guys come on over and work? No, no, you just like I said, you just work, you just lock up with. So then, right, start we start bringing guys over to the nature center in the auditorium. So that worked out for a couple years. And right, then now tell us about like RJ. Like with RJ, what makes you see RJ's not? I mean, outside of our small small circle. Right. RJ's not well known. He was never really, never really a public kind Big. of figure. Right. And I think he was really one of the more talented guys I've ever yeah. met. And yeah. like how was your training with RJ? I mean, he was really a brutal joint locker. He was a br yes, he was a brutal joint locker. He was a brutal teacher. Um He was. <laughs> That's why he never grew. <laughs> oh, oh, well, 
that and that we that he would test people as they come in by breaking them up. Well, you knew that if you came back that second night that you were going to actually learn something oh, and you actually funny. wanted to train with this guy because we trained two day two nights a week for two hours. Right. And uh, sometimes he would be drinking, which would be, you know, it'd be all right. But he'd be breaking people up. I mean, and I'd be shaking my head. But we only had five or six people that trained with us for the seven or eight years that we trained constantly for those two days a week. Right, right. So, I mean, he was, I just remember him just throwing us around and his his grip was incredible. Right. He had um, those Popeye he, forearms. He was ex-military. Uh, right. He had learned Ishin Ru and along with some Kung Fu while he was in the military. He uh, actually uh, uh, left high school early. I believe he got his GED while he's in the service. And right. he had started picking up martial arts in the service. But this guy ate, slept, and breathed martial arts. That he did. Was his, Absolutely. That, I mean, I mean, his job was a dog groomer, which we, which he was damn good at. But his yeah. his his life was martial arts. Oh, so, without a doubt, without a doubt. When you were with this other groups, you've been you've been training with them ten years, and then you know they they've said, yeah, you got to do the junior black sash, and then the yeah. senior one. That's a, a difficult challenge for a lot of people because they're thinking like, do I do I just stick this thing out? Because once you're so far down the road with something, it's like it, it's easy to see that out. Right. So walking away was that really tough? It was tough, Tom, um, but I felt that I had picked up enough from this guy um, to to move on. I wanted to do something other than the Kung Fu. Um, he was starting to get into a lot of the local tournaments, which I participated in, I think, maybe one. Um, and I was just I was just ready to, to move on to, to, to something else. I was a little bit older than his other students. Yeah. He catered to families and to kids. We had adults too, but I was a little bit older than the other uh, students that he had. So in, in my opinion, at that time of my life, I was ready to make this switch. Sure. And because, because I had RJ, he was the guy I wanted to make the switch with. Yeah. So, oh, no doubt. You know what I mean? So, Tom, did you ever meet RJ? No, I didn't. I've heard the name before. I mean, it's a great name. He sounds, right. sounds like a tough guy, just sort of oak, right? <laughs> that was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, right. bodybuilding name, right, as well, the oak. Randy James was his real name, but he went by RJ. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, one uh, other funny question is like, so, so I didn't know in the US it used to be, the drinking age used to be 18. So what happened there? Why did they it, up it to twenty one? It did when it did when I was when I in the seventies. It was it was eighteen up in New York State. I can't say that about Jersey, Pennsylvania, any other states, but I know up in New York right. State was eighteen. Internationally, we do look at America and sort of question things like you can buy a gun at was it fourteen or twelve? <laughs> Drive a car uh -huh. at age nine. But you can't drink till you're 25. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it is ridiculous. They, and I get it. There's a maturity thing. But they upped around that time in the early days, they upped it all to 21. Essentially, within a bunch of years, every state kind of followed suit. So it's basically 20 year, 21 years of age. So. Right. But you can, you can go off to war at 18 or 17. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. It, it, it is. Was, it, what drove that? Why did they do that? 
I don't know. But it was through RJ that I got exposed to Jim McCann, Hawk Hockheim, Remy uh, Prasis, um, uh, Michael DePasquale Sr., Michael DePasquale Jr. And by the way, those guys are phenomenal. Tom, you probably don't even know who those guys are. They are uh, really excellent. I mean, I know some of that list, like, you know, the pre-sass. Yeah, they were pioneers. RJ and I would go up to New Jersey, up to northern New Jersey, and on what they used to call the Super Sunday, where for four or five hours, different masters would teach different different arts, and they would have, you know, a little segment here, a little segment there. And that's how I got exposed to the... Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, the Dayata Ru, a little bit of the Aikido, a little bit of the Arnis, a little bit of the, com- com- back then it was Combat Kempo, which now it is, you know, it could be similar to the Kaju Kenbo or the Okinawan Kempo or the Hawaiian, you know, there's so many different Kempos. In right. The- that's, how I, that's how I ran into them, so. Right, and and you you were able to, what I was always amazed about with training with UK is your ability to, really delve into the history of the different arts that you studied and then and, and really retain a lot of it, all the terms, the names. I am exactly the opposite. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't tell you who Tim Tackett is. No. <laughs> no. But I mean, I just was never good at saying how so-and-so taught me that. Not because I didn't want to give him credit. I just couldn't fucking remember. <laughs> But Kevin could go, you know, this guy, you know, Bruce Lee taught me this, and you know, so and so, and Remy Priest just taught me this, yeah. you know, uh, and he and he and he knew the lineage and all the wor- names. Oh my God, it was and that was a testament to RJ because right. he was a big historian when it came to martial arts. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So that was a big testament to him. So subsequently, I'm running into guys like Jim McCann, and then we're, you know, Jim tells the story where we met at that one seminar, but. He leaves out how we went to this. We were with this one affiliation, which I won't really mention, but we were at a right. summer camp. Oh, in Oklahoma. yeah. <laughs> right. so, so Jim and I, this is in the summer, right, Tom? Yeah. Like, this is like around Father's Day, right? In Oklahoma, right? So June it's in hot. Oklahoma. And man, ah. it's time for this three-day camp, right, Tom? Yeah. So Jim and I are wailing on each other. I mean, shirts are soaked and everything. We're wailing and wailing. We look up. Number one, we're training in the sun. Number two, everybody else is training is training in the shade. <laughs> and mind you, look, I'm as white as uh, the snow, right. and I am like I'm like a fucking tomato. Even Kevin is sunburned, you know. Right. <laughs> it was funny as shit, but we went at it, <laughs> and we're just wearing each other out and wearing each other out. And that is another uh, testament of how we became uh, as close as we did. Why? You know, what I mean? because. We actually trained at these, you know, these these people come to seminars and they do one or two techniques and they think they got it. Well, no, man, they ain't got it because you got to go over and over. over. It's like writing right. your name, Tom McGrath. When you were when you were little, you were doing T O M. I still am. Now you signed a check. Yeah, right, exactly. Now you signed a check without even thinking about it. And that's Tom's got way, a symbol. That's the way we were trained. So. Right. It's true. So you go in, we, we would just, right. And it, it still fascinates me to this day that people do two or three times. So whatever that move was, whatever the instructor was saying, do this, we would just do it and do that and not even deviate off of it. Just keep right. doing it because that's what they wanted. Everyone else is doing their own thing. Often everyone had their own seminars and we worked the entire, the, that's what we do when we go to seminars. 
I see the differences between a seminar and a workshop is a seminar is I'm going to show you some of my stuff and you're not going to learn it. You're not, it's not all going to be there in your head, but you know, you're seeing stuff and it's interesting. It's fun. It's exciting. A workshop for me is like, you know, it's objective based. So you say, I want you to walk away learning X, Y, Z, and you're going to have to obviously do a much more limited scope of material if, if people are going to leave there with something. But the idea of a seminar, of course, the good guys like you and, and, and myself, I think, we're going to take that material home and play with it, make it our own. But, right. And you Which can is- only pick up so much from a seminar anyway. I mean, I've often heard instructors say three techniques maybe, and then that's it. You know what I mean? And then you play with those three techniques. You find out what works for you what variations you can come with off of, and that's how you learn the technique. You know what I mean? So it's not a hundred different techniques. No, it's only a couple to tell you the truth. So right, they they just just keep working working and working. So someone like Dan Inosanto is going to like throw a lot at you and you're going to be wowed. Well, that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, but you're going to, but you're going to go home and you probably won't have much in your your locker from that, but you've been wowed. He's opened your eyes. You've been wowed. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the idea behind that is to introduce you to that stuff and then, uh, you know, allow you to go back and work it, you know. So, you know, so one of the things I wanted to touch on is um, RJ passed away, Jesus, three three years ago. It'll be three years in October. So with RJ, he, he for, and the reason I'm bringing up RJ is because of where your stature is in the American Bujutsu Campo. Because RJ formed the American Bujutsu Campo from all his vast knowledge of a variety of different martial arts. And, and it's really my core for joint locking and a lot of stuff being taught to me primarily by Kevin and stuff. It just opens my door. And then I take it and make it my own and twist it in different things. But RJ passed away and you're the highest ranking guy in the organization. Yes, I was. He bestowed the uh, rank of ninth degree and grandmaster to me uh, before he wow. passed away. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. right now. RJ, so you know, so when he had uh, lung issues and was basically yes. he passed away, there was yeah. medication that was keeping him alive, and he decided he didn't want to die that way and prolong right. his life. So he went off his medication. Yep. And then passed away. He was buried at sea or something, I think. Or? No, he was. Uh... He was cremated, and he said, well, I'm going to have my ashes spread all over. They're going to take it out to the Shenandoah, which is a chain of the Blue Ridge Mountain system out in uh, Virginia. I said, well, man, you know, you got Oak Park right down the street here. He goes, what? He goes, yeah, Kev, you're right. I'm going to have them spread over there. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. That's great. So now he bestowed that. Was that, was that near the end? Now, it, one of the interesting stories is we knew that RJ was dying. It was it was not a matter of if. It was just when. It was a clock. So tell us what you used to do, Kevin, at the, in the last six months or so of his life. Well, he called me in, and uh, he said that, Kev, I'm, I'm dying, and I'm not, not going to be around for a while. So he said, I want you to have all this information that I've written down in case you want to make Bujutsu Kempo commercial or you want to teach it to somebody. I want you to, this is how I want you to teach it to the people if they are willing to go through the training. So I said, I was working in Maryland and I would get off work at six, drive to Virginia, which was an hour and a half drive. So I'd get there at 7.30. I'd be there till 11.30 once a week and we'd go over notes and techniques and and ways that he wanted to uh 
preserve uh, his personalized art of uh, Bujetsu Kempo. And, and that started six months before he actually passed. That must have been pretty poignant, right? A lot of, pe- yeah. a lot of times you don't get that notice, I guess, or yeah. you don't know. You were getting full guidance on what he wanted, how, yes. how things should yes. be done. Some right. people, you know, they're right. just gone and you don't have that sort of, I guess, a handover, you know? Right. He didn't really want to have too many forms. He wanted to have little combat sets and what you call combat scenarios as opposed to these some of these arts that have these intricate forms to them. Um, so I said, no problem. He wanted me to incorporate the weapons, his weapons. He wanted me to make up and, and, and discover and incorporate maybe the weapons that I actually preferred with the, with, with the principles that he had given me. He had uh, started studying in a traditional um, Kenjutsu sword uh, school in Virginia yeah. and actually had reached, uh, I think, a third dime. I mean, they were putting on the entire uniform and everything he said it took like 20 yeah. 30 minutes just to put that on you know what I mean? <laughs> and i mean uh you know he was he had he had five, five or six really nice cutting swords i mean thousands of dollars of swords and yeah. he, he had cutting mats and everything that's uh, before he really became too physically ill to perform that that's what the la- that was the last thing that he had uh, been working on so all right, all right. Yeah. Which is Tom? You mentioned so this is so this RJ was this guy, and I think a lot of us who is you know very well, very knowledgeable guy, and had to humble himself, and he started from the beginning of the story, and he had a lot of sword experience so prior to that too. But he yeah. essentially started off as a white belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He went well all the way back to white belt. Yeah, and made it up to like a third dime. I mean, his, had he had gone a more a little bit further, he was going to have to start testing in Japan. And wow! He, yeah, he didn't. He didn't want. He he just didn't have the funds or nor the time to actually yeah. do that. He became a boot. He he got into Buddhism. Right. He uh, he had a he had a Buddhist priest that was stopping by two or three times a week to talk to him and everything. He had been going to the local temples and everything. So uh, something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Now, now, so, so I remember. I want to go way back. That you know, it's been a a lifetime, and and, and I may have Tom, you may have heard this story, but when I first met Kevin, I Kevin's like eight years older than me, seven years older than me, something like that. And I met Kevin in Alexandria, Virginia, and he's like 31, (laughs) right? And Tom is, and and I'm thinking, God, he's old. (laughs) How how can he keep doing this at his age? Now that's like 30 years ago for us. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. You remember that story I told you? Yeah, right, Tim? yeah, yeah. It's so hey, here's funny. A that's... Story. Here's a story for you, Tom. I meet Jim, right? And uh, at the time, uh, I think he was in between his first marriage, okay? So he's living with his parents, right? So I come up to his parents' house, and we're, 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 we're driving and everything. And Jim tells me a little story. It's kind of like, you know, the Bremer story of the cobbler and the grinder, whatever Bruce told him, yeah. whatever it was. Jim says it. Yeah. He says, you know, I had this one black friend. What was it like? Oh, yeah. I, think, I think his name was like Andrew Jackson. And he right. goes, you know, the funny thing about him is he, he never had to take a bath. I said, I said why, Jim? 
He says, because the dirt never washed out. <laughs> no, you got to put that in there. That's so funny. That's so funny. What the story was, I'm like five years old. So I'm like five years old. And, you know, taking a bath at five years old is a real pain there. So my friend, who happened to be a black kid at the time, like I had to go. I think my mom or my dad called me. You know, you got to come in, right? And I'm like all upset. I got to go and I have to take a bath. And then Aaron, his name was. <laughs> and Aaron goes, well, I don't have to take a bath. And I go, why not? He goes, because I'm black. You can't see the dirt. That's what happened. And that's when I knew I wanted to be black. That was the story. <laughs> but you're five years old. That makes perfect sense, Tom. <laughs> now, Kevin tells the story like I'm 30 years old. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. I got this black friend. That's a great line. Oh, so funny. Oh, God. I mean, there are, you know, a lot of belly laughing moments, you know. Like, so Kevin, now he's, you know, he's in his 50s, maybe older. No, and, um, 61, man. Well, there you I know. I was, I was trying to keep you down there. <laughs> So Kevin goes to me years ago. These are just funny reminiscent stories, which are, are, are amusing as shit. Like Kevin's never been married, right, Kev? <laughs> never, never. Now he, Kevin, you know, he's a. I always he's works. He's got a house. He's got cars. He, he's you know got all this stuff, but never found the right girl, right, Kevin? Right, right. You're right about that. <laughs> right, and then right about you found a lot of girls, just not the right one, Tom. Like you. You've been with women when I've met you before, Kevin. Uh various camps over the oh, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, so we're at the bar. <laughs> no, no, we're at the bar. Then also we're drinking. That's how every good story starts. It never starts off. We were at mass. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't believe what that fucking priest said. <laughs> it never happens that way. So this, this girl's going to move into his house. And, um, and then, you know, yeah, I think we'll get married and all this stuff. And I just said, Kevin, I'm not saying don't marry her. But did you think about this? How about this? You know, you know, you like to do this. I mean, what's she going to say about that? I wasn't talking about it. God is my witness. You're, you're the voice of experience uh, then, there. Yes, you're qualified then, to give advice, Jim, definitely. Qualified to give advice on why relationships don't work out. Ever. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> So then, uh, needless to say, uh, that relationship didn't work out for him either. He was, uh, yeah. Jim, talk me out of it. I didn't. I just, I think it was called like the Ben Franklin list. Have you heard right, of that, Kevin? Right, 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 right. Have you heard of that, Tom? No. You know who Ben Franklin is, I assume? Yeah, but these people, they're not that important to us. I know to you, they're like. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they're traitors in your book. <laughs> yeah. So you make, you make a list, you get a piece of paper, you draw a line down it. And you put Rose all the and positives. Cons. Yeah. Pros and cons. That's it. So, and then, unfortunately, the cons was a much bigger list. Well, this is how Ben Franklin did his politics, was it? I right. think so. But I'm sorry. We're just running with these old So you're going to move in with this girl, and then you come back, and you're like, Jim McCann said. Yeah, yeah. Jim McCann said. I'm like Dr. Phil. You know? <laughs> you know? Are you sure you're ready for this? You know? Oh man, we could go on all night. So this is what happens. And for those who are in our shows, like we go to whatever, and Tom is very much included in this group. Wherever we're in the world, at the end of the seminars, and this I can't emphasize this enough. We talked about this with Vince Raymonde last week. Wherever we are on the planet together, talking, old friends that don't get to see each other every day, 
at the dinner table at the bar, sitting around reminiscing, bullshitting. This is what it is. It is. I don't know how you even replicate. It. I don't. It must exist in other worlds, but I've I've never seen it. So that you know, you can see a person that you might not have seen in a year, and it's like you you saw yeah. him yesterday. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's why often the second day of the seminar is much more difficult than the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Don't you know that? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I love those <laughs> times, though. You know, like when you're just all at the bar, and it's as much about that as yeah. the training. But I, I do Absolutely. think it's a matter of train hard, party hard. Right. <laughs> Which you've done. And then, by the way, by the time if there's a third day on that seminar, yeah. the attendance has drastically dropped off. <laughs> so. And the performance, that's when more people are standing around. But, uh, oh, it's so funny. So, Kevin, now so now you're living in Raleigh. Yep. Raleigh-Durham, right? So you're down there. What are you doing down there now? Well, I built a website. You know, I'm trying to get students and trying to uh, teach. You know, I moved down here because it's an up-and-coming city. It's right. a little bit cheaper. Than, I'd been in D.C. for about 33, 34 years. It's um, a little bit better weather. Oh, no and, doubt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, you know, that, that's that's what I'm doing right now. As a martial arts instructor, surely it's better to be in D.C. where it's like the murder capital than where you are now where there's probably yeah. no trouble ever. <laughs> oh, no. There's still plenty of murders down here, too, Tom. Oh, yeah. oh, there's yeah. no money in D.C. So the funny thing is, you know what I took from that conversation? So Kevin goes... You know, he, he moves he moves there because there's an up-and-coming community. So, Kevin, when I first met him, he lived in North D.C. Nice apartment. You could walk. It was real nice. And then he bought it in South East. Yeah, yeah. Which, listen, <laughs> it is like a fucking war zone. Yeah. And Kevin found this little oasis. So, you go down, there's this brand-new neighborhood. Beautiful three-story like, townhomes. Gorgeous. Of course, it's a longer ride for me to get down because I used to go down at least once a month, every other oh, month, yeah. and, and spend oh, a yeah. weekend out at Kevin's and train and, and hang out. But then he goes, well, Jim, it's it's up and coming. They're doing all this renovation stuff. Well, so Kevin's there. I look in the house. You walk up in and, and the beautiful house in the yard, and Kevin goes, oh, you should see the grill I got, right? And I go, and now, mind you, this oasis is in the middle of a war zone. There's, like, bombs going off like a block away. <laughs> Tanks, military, going down the road. And then uh, Kevin go, and I go, he goes, I got this new grill. And I walk kind of through around the house, and I go, what grill? He goes, the grill. It's sitting right there. I go, Kevin, there ain't no fucking grill. <laughs> and then, then he, Kevin walks back and goes, the motherfucker stole my grill. <laughs> He's there, like, one day. And and mind you, he lives like you could throw a rock and hit the police station. station. The, pol- the police probably stole the fucking thing. Oh, that was funny. I go, yeah, up and coming neighborhood. There's, there's a barbecue and they invited your grill. <laughs> so you so you guys yeah, are so like Jimmy, proper training buddies. I mean, because that's like it's a long way from like Jersey down to DC, right? I mean, I, I'd I'd probably oh, yeah. fly if it was me. It's a good couple hour ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like three four hours. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I would go down and we'd spend the weekend together, train and, you know, party and do whatever. And, and just we watch whatever it was. We were just real good buddies. And yeah. uh, so, and same thing, Kevin would come up here for the weekend and stay, stay with me. And then and for, you know, 30 years, it, it was weird because I was used to him coming up every so often and me going yeah. down. Last couple of years have been a little more difficult. And now, of course, living down there. But of course, he's only like a two hour flight away in the airport yeah. for like yeah. 60 bucks. It's so yeah. cheap to go down to where he's at. You got you got the uh, 
your website going. You're teaching a little bit. So you're sort of just, you know, edging your way through. Is there anything else? Like, are you going to do anything with the Jiu-Jitsu camp? Are you just going to kind of cruise? Is there something else you're looking to do or move? Or are you just kind of settled in down there for, for a while? I'm going to settle here for a while. If I can, uh, you know, if if I can incorporate it into maybe um, uh, some curriculums, I'm starting right. to work with a, a nonprofit. That's going to be an after-school thing, and I've got a call in to another family friend who has hopefully connections with two counties that I'm uh, one that I actually live in, the other one that's adjacent, to see if I can get into some other schools and. Just play it by ear, man. That's play you know, it by ear, right, that, right, right. You know what I mean. So, uh, right, keep right. training, keep training as as much as I can. You know, um, right. It's, it's getting, you know, it's the drive back from training and everything. It's the, I got the soreness, I got the stiffness. Huh? You know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I can't do some of the shit that I could do, but there's still some stuff I can do. You know what right. I mean? So, uh, but you know, I still got my health. Health you is do. still. Fairly good, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, just keep plugging along. So Awesome. Well, Kev, man, I, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, we could get you on the air and have you in, and hopefully I'll see you soon and uh, you come up and visit. I'll get down there, whatever it'll be. We have, uh, you know, the JKD camp coming in the summer, maybe the one in Europe. I don't know if that'll happen. <laughs> but, oh, there's uh, one coming to Europe, too? I think so. That's what I hear. I'm going to Germany to train with Dennis, so they're definitely they're definitely coming over. I don't know yeah. whether there'll be a full on camp, but there's there's the July one that right. Vince made reference to last week as well. Right, so, um, right, Jerry, right, right, it's happening. What awesome! Hey, Kev, buddy, it's great having you on. Great knowing you, brother. <laughs> Not that I'm getting ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Awesome, man. Great show. If you want to get a hold of you, Kevin, what is your website, brother? It is www.kempoandfitness.com. There you go. And Raleigh Durham, the man, the yep. myth, the legend. The great <laughs> Kevin <Bill>. Peace out. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.